Welcome to the Evolution Exchange USA podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry passions and challenges they are facing. I am Austin Roden from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and I help connect businesses with top tech talent. And today I am your host. Uh, with me today is Nishant Sharma over at Charter Communication. Nishant, how are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. Thanks for having you. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good day. It's a Friday, uh, getting close to the weekend. Um, again, uh, thanks for jumping on. Um, could you start out uh, giving a quick intro of yourself and what you do? Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, Nishant Sharma here and uh, currently working as a senior director of data science at Charter Communications, uh, known by the brand of Spectrum, uh, wherever we operate uh, in 41 states in the country. Uh, so uh, I've been here for like 10 years, but I've been dabbling uh, in various different industries uh, throughout my, since I would say 2004, uh, I started working here in the U.S. Uh, I've worked in uh, reinsurance industry, I've worked in retail, I've done, I've been in the uh, finance banking industry and now in telecom. So I've I've used a lot of uh, data analysis, data modeling, and predictive modeling concepts, and in the, uh, in the trying to figure out in the retail industry what's the trend, uh, sales trends looking like uh, when it comes to the reinsurance industry. How do we use modeling to uh, predict the very the losses that can happen to various clients' portfolios when any uh, man-made or any uh, natural catastrophe uh, could hit their uh, portfolio of uh, assets. So it could be, let's say, hurricane. And what one of the chances of hurricane in coming in the next five years and the predictive modeling used for that and that the losses associated and how can we have the clients that secure uh, uh, their portfolio by buying reinsurance to the insurance already that they have and uh, get some commission out of it and that was a full business model. Uh, for in the banking, I I use a lot of predictive modeling to build uh, kind of collateral and uh, uh, credit risk models to identify the risk when it comes to subprime mortgage portfolio and all day products and uh, some tricky portfolios, which I'm pretty sure many people must have heard when it was the 2007 financial meltdown, and it was pretty much triggered by the uh, subprime mortgage portfolios. So I did a lot of modeling there uh, in the, for six years, and uh, after a uh, lot of, uh, I would say, a churn that was happening in the industry and uh, years and years of battering, I think it was time to maybe make some switch and uh, look for something else. And uh, then I entered the telecom industry and uh, happy here since. And it's, it's pretty exciting. It's a lot of technology and uh, predictive modeling that we uh, had on with all the different strategies that we are working with here. My main, uh, I would say, contribution comes to the uh, uh, business planning and uh, optimization efforts. So how can we uh, improve our strategy of market expansion and business expansion in the most uh, lean and mean way with the highest return of investment and uh, increase the uh, stock price and uh, make all the shareholders happy. Oh, very nice. So uh, one of the reasons that uh, we had you on um, and you mentioned uh, predictive modeling, what do you see the current trends of uh, 
predictive modeling looking like? Yeah, so that's a very fine question. And uh, when it comes to a predictive modeling, uh, it's been there for many, many, many decades, actually. Um, probably even Da Vinci must have dabbled with it. Uh, but uh, so when, it, when you look at these statistical concepts and uh, operations research, I mean, these things have been used by uh, many industry stalwarts. And uh, if you look at uh, GE, they, uh, they mastered the Six Sigma concept. And uh, the, the Toyota, it was a Kanban, I believe. So these statistical concepts in one form or the another have been used by many, many industries for a long time. And I would say in just the last few, uh, maybe maybe a decade or so, there, it has really picked up a lot when people say AI and ML, which stands for artificial intelligence and machine learning. In my opinion, those are just, uh, I would say, I don't want to say it's a marketing buzzword, but these are just buzzwords and all the time. And I mean, I do. And that is that is a fine example of a model in play, a machine learning model in play. You keep putting it uh, the, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, and forward, and uh, you're actively listening. It keeps learning from your behavior, and it keeps adjusting. And those kind of models have been there for a long time, you know, based on the customer uh, feedback and how do you train it. So when it comes to the current set of predictive, uh, predictive modeling, it is used well, quite excessively uh, uh, in many, many companies. And uh, most, I would say, every company is moving towards that. And uh, nobody wants to be left behind. Uh, we, I have been using it since, uh, yeah, since 2004. We've been building models already. And uh, predictive modeling, uh, it was earlier called, you know, just a data analysis and you could build even a simple model in Excel and that might even work. Uh, but data analysis morphed into uh, more and more of a predictive uh, analytics. You could have, in, back in uh, 2007 or 8, uh, there was jobs that would say predictive analytics. And uh, slowly and slowly that got changed into data science. And if you if you're not a data scientist, there you're nothing a data predictive modeling. That's how it's become now. So even the rules that we post out when I'm hiring people, we had to change and make sure it's, it says data science now. Then we could easily get traction. Uh, and if you just leave it as a modeling analytics uh, modeling analysis, that we were not getting many hits. So we figured it out our own ourselves. So predictive uh, analytics is uh, is is uh, has been there and it's all gonna be more and more used. It is used in uh, probably every aspect of uh, uh, businesses now, right? When from marketing to uh, sales to uh, uh, servicing it, uh, serving a customer, uh, even in a restaurant or anywhere, uh, there people are using predictive modeling left and right everywhere. Yeah, awesome. Are there any variations in how they're using it based on the industry or any differences? Uh, I would say any does any company or industry that is uh, engaged a lot in the online or the internet mainly focused way, they are taking the uh, biggest advantage of it. Like whichever has the direct interface with the customer. Uh, so in B2B, it could be slightly lower than uh, let's say B2C. So, for example, you're using uh, a Waze app, and uh, that's a 
fine example of B2C. So that they're, they're a business and they're directly interfacing with the customer and their model is constantly updating itself and it's learning from your behavior and learning from others' behavior and, and, and interacting with you that way. Uh, when you uh, uh, when you try to buy from uh, Amazon and it already is aware of your sales behavior, your buying behavior, and it is talking and restocking its material in advance because it can predict who and when and how are gonna uh, are going to be ordering the product. So it is active in that too. So. I would say technology-focused companies are doing it a lot more because uh, it's all about uh, investment. You, these companies, uh, many of the companies are working on, you know, they want to be lean and mean. So they, they're working mm-hmm. on a razor edge, kind of like a budget, and they they want to the top of their cake. They cannot afford to sit on a big kind of an inventory and a poor data, poor information, and try to make a judgment, which could just go belly up. And that would be lost for them, and that could be like do or die. Uh, if it's like a big uh, traditional company that is just selling some product, let's say an automobile company, and uh, they can absorb some shocks. Uh, in the long term, we have seen what happened with GM, but probably they can absorb those kind of hits a little bit and still uh, be on their, uh, you know, still stand up again and move forward. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned before, uh, talking about AI, uh, where do you see AI being deployed uh, now and uh, moving forward? Uh, yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Uh, of course, it depends on many, many uh, uh, companies to company, but in as a lowest common denominator, if you talk about that, then... AI can be, uh, or artificial intelligence, it can be used in uh, pretty much uh, wherever you are interfacing something that has to be delivered to a customer. Uh, it can easily be different, very, very easy. And it, it must be, and it needs to be now, nowadays. So uh, I can quote some examples that be uh, that I, from my own uh, experience. So when it comes to delivering uh, a product, uh, as a telecom in the telecom industry, as in a telecom company, we are very much focused in uh, providing the the best, not only the best product, but in the B two B domain when we are directly interfacing with some other companies, we have to make sure that uh, we are uh, committed on a, a product that is superior, but also within the time frame that they need it. Because it's a company running on some requirements, and they they don't they don't so want to just be you know kept in the dark. That if we say that we can provide you a service on uh, on tenth of a of a given month, and we don't show up until like even for 30, 40 days later uh, with our service, it could be a problem uh, for them. Especially in today's world when it's all fiber. So as a company, we are spreading a lot of fiber. So we, we have our products, our all, uh, many, many different suites of models that are working in the, specifically in the customer relationship management. Mm-hmm. Now, customer relationship management in itself is like everything. It's, it's everything. Uh, CRM started long ago when the, 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 the phrase and uh, the words were coined by some uh, companies or uh, uh, professors, but it is in a simple sense. It means that how do you manage your relationship 
with a customer. It it, it includes uh, first you have to acquire a customer, then you nurture the relationship for that customer, and then you also protect the relationship with that customer. So when it comes to first step uh, establishing a relationship, you you have to first identify where is the customer, who is going to buy a product. It's not like you, you have built a good product and you can stand in the middle of the street and say, come, everyone buy it. It's not going to work out. In today's world, where everything is digital, everything is hyper-optimized, everyone is uh, having all the information they need on their fingertips. You have to use the resources correctly and learn from your behavior like who bought from you with a little bit of historical forecast to predict this company is going to buy my product with a high degree of certainty. So with our artificial intelligence, uh, the model based on a lot of predictive modeling and machine learning built into it, these models can, with a good certainty, determine that these are the best product prospects that from not wasting our valuable money and resources and time in targeting some other prospect, which we know are never going to buy your product. So that is another way of optimizing your acquisition. So once you have acquired the customer, which actually requires marketing leads and uh, sales uh, acting on the leads, so marketing campaign needs to know which uh, prospects to select and go after it. Sales then need to be told that these are the best prospects that you can convert into a customer. Once that is done, you establish a relationship with the customer, then phase two kicks in, nurturing the relationship. You, we have predictive models that can tell you exactly uh, what is the right range of time for a given kind of a, a customer to sell them even more products, to upgrade them, to cross-sell them. If they have bought a video from you, well, we can tell you which prospect is the best suited to sell maybe Ethernet and then sell F, uh, uh, digital uh, um, on, uh, one is for us. So we, we actually can do that in nurturing. So we know exactly the right. You don't want to go after a customer when you install uh, today to even to immediately hit tomorrow that, hey, we want you to sell this house. So there is a lot of uh, AI built into like exactly when to do that. And we have bots that's been designed that immediately go to the sellers themselves and say, hey, you have to sell such and such products to this customer, which was installed in X number of days before. And this is the best suited product that we think it should buy. Rest depends on your own act. So that is all about nurturing the relationship, cross-sell and upsell. Uh, then the third step comes, reducing the churn. We do not want to lose any relationship. It's very difficult to reach it to make it zero, but we try to make it as close as to zero. That's our overall objective. So we have models that are always working. These are predictive models that are constantly trying to figure out who is going to leave our churn based on the behavior. So the model keeps learning itself. It, uh, we, we keep on making tweaks to make sure that it is always up to this up to this uh, task and with the chiller we can then send up the list to our marketing team and identify like these are the top risky uh, customers we think that can leave us and then they get into the, their own uh, uh, put these programs in the schedule the campaigns and sales touches to make sure that we don't want to instigate any churn but 
address any concerns or have a backup strategy, maybe some discounts or whatever that can be worked on to make sure we retain these customers. And that have shown like very, very strong performance. So anyone knows uh, it's 20 times better to retain a customer than actually uh, go and get a new customer. Just like basic uh, management philosophy. So you don't want to lose any single customer. Uh, as a company, we are using artificial intelligence, uh, even uh, there's many, many other divisions that are doing it, but from my side in the uh, Spectrum Enterprise domain, even our, our uh, fiber network expansion, which is very expensive actually, takes a lot of money. And you don't want to start digging anywhere you want uh, and uh, pay like hundreds and thousands of dollars to calm the city and everywhere just because you thought I can put a put fiber line here. Um, if we have built out models to actually hyper-optimize where and how and how collectively as a group, you can actually stretch your fiber net. And that is what we are going after to make sure that we get the biggest bang for our buck and you don't end up just spending a million dollars and putting a fiber line all the way to a rural Arkansas somewhere and we find yeah. that, you know, we got only two customers out of that and that is not a good return of investment. We want to go for the best needy part uh, along with how we can work with the government, with the RDOF program, uh, that the rural uh, program to stretch fiber network. So we have invested our own money from our own fund to even make it even better by saying that, okay, we will do what you want to do. But we will put our own money to even go a little bit sideways and stretch to other areas, which we think are really good. So that is what area, engineering side, where uh, the construction side, where we spend a lot of energy and a lot of effort to make sure that uh, artificial intelligence is actually making a really meaningful uh, contribution. The, one of the biggest, uh, I would like to mention, that the, one of the biggest uh, advantage that any human being gets with the automation is comfort and ease. Uh, when it comes to doing business, we humans don't like each other too much, actually. That's what I see. We, we like to remove those hurdles from our ways, put our fiber line. We have to actually get it. A, a human beings go there and do the survey. But even before that, some people sit on their computer and do the survey to first do a sniff test. But we realized that was actually costing a lot of money and uh, it was not even that accurate. So we built out models, AI-based models that are constantly every day learning how much it actually costs to do the construction. And now our sellers, instead of like going and requesting for a, uh, maybe a survey to me, to be done and uh, waiting for like, I don't know, a week for it to come in and constantly back and forth, automatically when they're working on some deal, the valuation comes in from our model that says that we think you can get to this building at X amount of dollar. And they now know, they are very well aware that, okay, that is something I can maybe work with with this customer and uh, make a deal with that. Uh, it has made their life so much easy by just having all that information at their fingertips. So that is just an example of how we have saved tons of money because once you have built the model and it's running, it's not asking you for money. 
it's it's free literally you know what you just make it once and then keeps going on and on so we have, we have made huge savings and huge optimizations by just using these kind of uh, modern technology uh, implementation yeah uh, do you know of any other applications uh Outside of that, like, are there any other companies uh, or industries that you can think of that are using similar things or that might want to in the future? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you just, uh, I can speak to the ones that are, re- ex- I mean, you can easily see Pandora and all uh, these I was talking about. Everybody's using Google users for every single thing, I guess. But I can speak to the places that I've been to and, uh, for example, banking. In the banking, uh, you have mortgages that you're applying for. So if you today go and say, I want to refinance my mortgage. So it's not uh, just like that, that you have a throw. If you go to lending tree and uh, you, you submit your quote or you go to banktree.com, you submit your quote. Everywhere, actually, when you put your uh, property address, when you put your uh, social security number, they pull up your uh, uh, credit score rating. That credit score itself, 600, 650, 800, whatever is the number, that is actually an output from a AI-based model that is constantly looking at you or your shoulder of your behavior, your buying behavior, your selling behavior, what, what kind of payments are you making on time, how many credit cards you have, what kind of accidents you've had, what is your marriage history, everything it's learning and saying this is the credit worthiness of that guy. That input actually goes into your mortgage application where there is a, a risk model, a credit risk model running in the background that looks at your credit report, looks at the property valuation, and that property valuation itself is coming from an automated valuation model. It's being built by companies like CoreLogic and uh, I think it was LPS. These are the companies I work with. They're like pretty good companies and they are constantly the, looking at the data, like what is the sales uh, sales or price of the property and what kind of rules it has, how many bedrooms it has, how many bathrooms, where is it? They have come up with evaluation for your property. If we think with our model, this property is worth maybe $300,000. So they have the valuation of the property. They have your credit rating, like are you solid enough to pay the pay, make the payments? Then and on the top of that, there are the crime stats and blah blah. All those things that you put around in your uh, in your report, that gets all cranked up, and then they come up with the final decision on the credit for the net. The model says that based on the director's modeling, we think this person is 8.5, and then you have the work cut off where uh, it could be let's say Wells uh, Fargo or Bank of America. I mean, they didn't run their model based on the information, and they say if it's like uh, 8.5. We can offer him maybe eighty uh, percent loan to value ratio, and we think we can offer him a uh, six point or uh, four point five percent fixed mortgage rate for fifteen years. That's the uh, financial modeling that comes in. So from point A to point B, I just come to like four or five different models that were running just every single thing that you were uh, trying to put the information. So we are surrounded by models top to bottom every day in the market, right from the, when you get out of your bed and the alarm clock goes, nowadays you have music uh, alarm clocks and then real station starts playing because they've learned this guy likes to play these music on Pandora and this is what he, he keeps music on and this is, he keeps less music. Maybe they squeeze a little bit of ad in there, you know, so maybe he can listen to the ad and maybe buy something from Alex immediately. Yes or not? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. 
So if I'm a director of engineering or, you know, a, a data engineer, and I want to get involved with this, you know, at the ground level, like what are some of the tools uh, that I would want to learn or pick up or uh, the types of things I should be looking at or studying, you know, to work with this kind of stuff? Okay. So there are two concepts. Uh, you said a data engineering versus, right. uh, I would say, data analysis and or, you know, analytics side. If you're just doing data engineering, it comes, uh, you know, in the in the past, it used to be ETL. That's what people say, export, transformation, and loading, I guess. So that was just like managing the data. And that could uh, mean having your own kind of like uh, compression algorithm, data compression, data expansion. So this right now, there's like millions and millions of rows of data coming from, for example, Waze uh, is collecting like which at which point which car was there the GPS locations and everything. There's like a lot of data from millions of cars coming. They need to get that data from every second, compress it, ship it, and into some other server. So that is like another concept of managing a large data set that requires a lot of SQL knowledge and uh, how do you connect with different uh, Hadoop clusters or cloud uh, programming and Python is definitely involved in there. So I would say there's a lot of other side which I kind of work with my peers who manage all that. On the other side there is the data analytics, which I am in, uh, usually involved with. First of all, in my profession, whenever I'm interviewing somebody, I make sure that, do you even understand what this means? What is machine learning? And many times I must say, many people don't have any idea, any idea. So uh, the first thing that everyone needs to know is statistics. You need to be really good with math and statistics. You should know what is a regression modeling. What is a logistic regression modeling? What is the difference between a standard deviation and a variance? What is a normal distribution? What is a prognosis? Uh, how do I fit the model? What is the bad versus good fit model? What is the fake fit model? You know, you think it's fit, but it's not fitting. Uh, so these, what is a chi-square test? How do, what is a hypothesis testing? These are the building blocks, first of all, of a good analyst. They should know what is it, what is all, what do all these mean? On top of that, they should be good with SQL. They should be very good with SQL. I would say nine out on 10. So uh, then they should be very good with some programming language concept. So it could be Python, it could be R. We use a lot of SAS uh, because I'm from the tradition time, we use a lot of SAS. So I'm a SAS programmer myself. Uh, any, and these are just the tools. These are just the means to use your statistical concepts and, and math into action. If you know Python, Python is not going to program or solve the problem for you. It's just a blank screen with the cursor blinking. You are the one who's going to type the command to write the program to do the pro logistic regression. But you should know what is a logistic regression. You just can't press a button and it will come itself. So uh, you should know the programming. Uh, you, sh uh, you should know some database concepts like what is a table? How do I compress a table? How do I make an index? And how do I make it run faster? You should, in today's world, there's a lot of work being done with geospatial data. What is the latitude, longitude? How can you tell me the distance of two buildings that exist on a, uh, on, on a few 5,000 or 5 million buildings? Can you make a little circle and make sure uh, uh, they, uh, how many circles can you create on a map to uh, bring those buildings together within, let's say, the radius is 500 feet, right? 
So that requires some of the geospatial calculations and you can't just inner join one table, one building with the other and do a Cartesian join. That would take like a million years to calculate. No, it has to be just smarted. So these are th things uh, that are very much in usage in today's. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and, and thank you for that. So uh, bring it back to you for a second. How, how did you end up getting involved with all this? Like where did it start for, for Nishant? Oh, what a great question. Oh, everyone has some story to talk about. So my, I did my bachelor's in mechanical engineering. And then uh, I, I, I did my coursework in the last year of operations research. But then I, I got interested in that, and I did my master's in operations research from Ohio State. And uh, there I did, you know, learned a lot of concepts about data. Back in 2001, 2002, I would say there was not like a huge that exposure that happened later after data analysis and all. It was mostly software engineers that would get a lot of jobs, and they would be famous, they would work for Google and all, and doing a lot of programming. I would say I was kind of like an on the off track and I was like, well, let's me, I like problem solving and I love the consulting out of thing. Let me see your personal research, how many, how I can move forward. One thing led to another and I ended up in retail. That was just the beginning. And then the biggest exposure I got was working for uh, Willis Re. It's a reinsurance company. And then I headquartered in London, but in a satellite office in Minneapolis and they had an opening for that. Um, it was a data analyst role. Uh, there was some catastrophic modeling that was needed, uh, some data analysis, and some software kind of work too. And I was like, sure, I can wear those hats. And they likewise, uh, you know, whatever I spoke with them, they, so I started working there. And uh, one thing led to another, and I loved cat, cat modeling so much that, you know, after a few years, and I got deeper and deeper, I saw a role at General Motors Acceptance Corporation, RASCAP. And uh, they would be all the mortgage analytics, and I took that for, and it's been on and on and on. Awesome. And then uh, you're in uh, obviously you're you're in a leadership role now. Um, how do you like that compared to the more hands-on piece? Uh yeah. I mean, I really do not miss it. <laughs> it's because I've done that so much, so many years that I I think my fingers started hurting, and I was doing so much coding. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just that I start, I, I'm a big strategy uh, person. I like to solve problems. Uh, that's, that's what keeps me uh, interested in coming to work every day. I like seeing some problem to solve and just get cracking. Uh, so I have a team now that says, if you do good work, it's corporate America. They kind of push you up. Even if you say, no, they will know you had to push out. You yeah. Good work. Yeah. So they pushed me up and it's been like kind of a journey and I have I had to let go of the, like my baton. I passed the baton to other people that I've hired and there's a nice hierarchy now and they are doing that for which I used to. But I can understand that. And everyone grows up, grows into those roles and they get adjusted. I like it now. Uh, I can see the bigger picture at a larger scale and not just me, myself that was doing the work. But the objective here is how do I make the company better? How do I help the company? That's how I have framed my entire team and myself. Our objective is not just to do the work. That is not what we come here for. Our objective is how do I make this company make richer and better? How do I improve? That's it. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, um, I mean, we pretty much 
uh, covered uh, the bulk of it. Um, I, I really appreciate your input. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on. Yeah, uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Sure, sounds good. It was nice to speak with you. Yep, absolutely. All right, and then once again, I want to thank Nishant so much for sharing his thoughts in today's conversation. If you're hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us over here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message as well. I am Austin Roden, and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at austin.roden at evolutionjobs.us. Feel free to visit us at evolutionjobs.us and see what we're all about. So thanks again to our guest, and thank you all for listening. Hope you join us again next time.